Hopefully you enjoyed part one of our big NFL betting season preview pod. And now you stuck with us for part two. Part one was the NFC. Part two, now the AFC. This is the Clutch Picks Pod. My name is Sheldon Alexander. I'm joined by my dude, Mr. Matt Russell, lead betting analyst for the score. Mr. Russell, how are you feeling? Feeling good. I feel like, you know, we've got down to business uh, in the NFC. I think, you know, people hopefully enjoyed that. And uh, the AFC is like absolutely loaded. So there's a lot to talk about there. Some different circumstances uh, in the divisions and, uh, and and throughout, right? There might be some value on some players and some teams that uh, people aren't necessarily thinking of because I think, you know, we've seen the Bengals, Bills and uh, the Chiefs you know, kind of be that three team, three headed monster in the AFC. And like, there's a lot of pretty good teams outside of them. So um, yeah, there's a lot of value here and uh, I'm excited to talk some AFC football. Yeah. We're going to break down the AFC. And if you haven't listened to part one, which was the NFC, first off, what are you doing? Secondly, though, I'll explain what we're about to do. We're going to go through the divisions. We're going to talk about some value bets that you can find in each division. It might be, you know, a uh, long shot for or a value pick on the player of the year it might or offensive or defensive. It might be rookie of the year. It might be who's going to win the division. Don't know, but we're going to go from each standpoint, break down each division. We're going to start. We're going to start the AFC West because, you know, longtime listeners of this pod know that I have a, a soft spot in my heart for the Kansas city chiefs. They're not my favorite team but they might be my favorite team to bet on. <laughs> and if we go back to work. last year's Super Bowl episode, I mean, I laid it, I poured my heart and soul into such a difficult bet to make, <laughs> but just all my love affair of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs was just, I felt rewarded back for my love just from what they were able to provide in covering, what was that? They were one point underdogs in the Super Bowl. Was that it? You were able to get plus money early in the week. You were able to get plus money on the Chiefs. I think by the time it was closer to even by the time the game actually um, took place. But bottom line here, we're talking Chiefs. We're talking AFC West. Just the betting odds here. You got the Chiefs in the division at minus 179. And I'll explain this as I did throughout the other pod. These are the lines that I'm looking at. It's kind of a consensus line. But if you dig a little deeper, you'll be able to find the best line elsewhere get your googles up but got the chiefs at minus 179 the chargers at plus 300 the broncos at plus 587 and the raiders at plus 1548 that is a super ugly number there for the raiders but i look at this and you know it's easy to say the chiefs i get it the chiefs are going to be there each and every single year When I look at this, and if there's something that sticks out to me in terms of a value pick, right? Because you're trying to get value here. That's what we're trying to do. I kind of like the Chargers. And I feel like I've been here before, you know, waiting for Justin Herbert to kind of take the crown, so to speak, here in terms of what we perceive him to be as a top quarterback in the NFL. There's been a lot of other just moving pieces around as uh, they got new offensive coordinator, which we're hoping might be able to help them. I'm sure you're going to you know, dive into that a little bit for us. But I just like the Chargers. I feel like coming off that heartbreaking loss last year, that had to sit with you the whole whole entire offseason if there's a team that's going to come back with the vengeance a team that already has really good pieces there i know they're known for chaos but at some point don't you gotta figure it out like isn't justin herbert just too good to be dealing with this bleepery every single year yeah i like the chargers at plus 300 but do you see a better value pick here for their odds in this division (sighs) We talked about not so modern references in the last uh, in part one of this podcast. Uh, I don't know if you're Gina Davis and I'm Susan Sarandon or <laughs> vice versa, but we are Thelma and Louising uh, yet again, just holding hands, just going over the cliff. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, man, I can't, you know, I can't quit them. Can't, can't quit them. Not at plus 300. Like we talked in the last podcast about these different teams that were available at plus 200 or better. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, it's kind of micro 
um, budgeting here, right? Micro accounting. But the idea that like, yeah, if the Chargers win the division, you can lose three other plus money bets and still break even. Well, there's four divisions in the AFC. So if we have four plus money bets and a one plus 300 bet actually wins, then we're at least breaking even. And if we actually get two out of four, which, you know, half of these, I think, but by the time we're done, you'll sit back and go like, yeah, I can see two of these four winning. Then we're going to be profitable, right? And when it comes to sports betting, like that's all we're trying to do. We're not trying to sweep the board here necessarily. It'd be great. Don't get me wrong. But whether it's against the spread or in futures markets, right? Like against the spread, it's easy, right? You go, okay, I'm just trying to win 53% to be profitable. 54, 55, 56 is sort of very reasonable um, from a profitability standpoint. The math gets a little bit different when we're talking about odds. So like that's as simple as of a way as I can put it. When it comes to the chargers, you know, everybody knows all the case for the Chargers, right? Like, you know, is he a superstar now? Is he the most obvious potential future superstar? However you want to kind of define it, right? They have Justin Herbert, who is just objectively awesome to watch, right? And yes, they changed the coordinator situation. Everybody's seen the stats, I imagine, um, from the previous era. Uh, the what's his name? Dean Lombardi, like just basically waiting to third down to have Justin Herbert bail them out with long throws. You get Kellen Moore, right? He's going to provide, you know, more deep throws. He's going to provide more aggressiveness on for at first down, et cetera, et cetera. But fundamentally it comes down to like the numbers here, right? And they're plus 300. Whereas the, the chiefs are what, minus minus one ninety something along those lines. And listen, I'll admit, like you said, I think we've been here before. I think we were on the chargers last year, almost positive that we were. And last year, the Chiefs were plus money to win the division. So hand up. That was dumb. Like when we talk about value, <laughs> the Chiefs being plus money was probably something that we should have gotten involved in. Now we ended up doing okay. You know, we've talked about like finding the way to back a team that is sort of the best way to do it. You'll remember we were on Patrick Mahomes at plus 900 to win the MVP last year. Correct. On the idea that if the Chiefs are okay without Tyreek Hill, as in like they're able to sort of still be awesome without Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes is going to get all the credit for it. And sure enough, there he was. And of course, this year, now he's back down to you know where he should be, plus 600 to win MVP as the favorite. And we're kind of back to you know where things are normal. So like it's not like we weren't profitable on the idea of the Chiefs being good last year. But when you look at the number now at minus 180, minus 190, and you go, man, they were plus last year. That sucks. But what it came down to last year was two games against the Chargers. They ended up being, you know, Chargers were 10 and 7, still, you know, um, made the playoffs and honestly should have won that playoff game, which, you know, listen, that's a whole other conversation, or at least part B of this conversation. But the Chargers had won 10 games, the Chiefs won 14 games, but the Chiefs beat the Chargers by three in both of the, their matchups, right? These teams are equally matched and it came down to some kind of wacky plays, right? First of all, a 99 yard Thursday night interception return for a touchdown mm -hmm. against the chiefs, right? Like the chargers are going in to score to take, I think it would have been a two score lead at that point. And the chiefs all of a sudden have the lead or tied the game with a 99 yard interception re return for a touchdown. If that's what you're relying on, yeah. For any team at minus 180, then like, okay, cool, you know, God bless you. But like, that's kind of asking a lot. Now, you know, you get that play from the Chiefs and they win that game by three points. And then later on, Chargers leading throughout the entire game for the second straight year, lose it at the last, in, in this case, the last minute last year, you know, two, two years ago now, you know, at Travis Kelsey overtime touchdown in LA. So these basically, these last three games have come down to overtime, three point game, crazy 99 yard defensive touchdown play. Right. And so we talked about it in a couple of different ways in the NFC podcast, but like, these are the one or two plays that like have to go your way. And maybe it just never goes the chargers way. Right? Maybe they just never actually beat the, the Chiefs despite having comparable talent, a mm -hmm. quarterback who, if we're assuming that Justin Herbert is kind of getting 5% better every year and based on his skill set, like could get kind of in the neighborhood of Patrick Mahomes from sort of an ability standpoint. Like we then have to look at the number and the implied win probability. Now, remember, implied win probability is taking the odds, right? In this case, plus 300. And turning that into a percentage, right? What is the what is the odds makers telling us? They're telling us it's a 25% likelihood that the Chargers win the division. Whereas they're telling us it's almost two-thirds likely that the Chiefs win the division, right? It's almost 66%. 
Well, that's like 40% difference. And there isn't a 40% difference between the Chargers and, and the Chiefs with regards to anything, right? Like they're just not, the Chiefs are not 40% more likely to do anything than the Chargers. Now they are more likely to do mm-hmm. something, just not 40%. And that's fundamentally the point, right? And part of the thing last year with the Chiefs being where they were as a you know, plus money favorite instead of a minus money favorite is like, Denver, oh, they're going to be so good with Russell Wilson, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, the Raiders <laughs> are going to be so good. They got Devontae Adams. They got Josh McDaniels, et cetera, et cetera. We're not fooled by that this year, right? We know the Raiders are going to be meh. We're, we're gonna, we know that it's going to have to be a massive turnaround for the Broncos. And I don't see that turnaround coming, right? Everybody just assumes Sean Payton is great because he won a Super Bowl in, what, 15 years with Drew Brees. <laughs> but, like, I also remember watching Saints games and being like, what the hell is Sean Payton doing out here? Whether it was some clock management, some sketchy challenges, just some general frivolity that ended up costing them, you know, maybe an extra Super Bowl or two along mm-hmm. the way there, right? And so it's like Sean Payton is not God's gift to coaching. And he might not be able to turn things around for Russell Wilson. And by the way, he also might not even be that interested in turning it around for Russell Wilson, he might be completely fine with going with Jared Stidham as a backup quarterback, right? And so I just look at it and I go, I don't see it happening for the Broncos. I'm never going to be Josh, a Josh McDaniels guy, certainly from a macro big picture standpoint. And so I think some of that win probability has to go to the Chargers. And I just think that gap in between the Chiefs and the Chargers is just far too wide. And we're getting a price here where I don't have to get kind of creative to back the Chargers. And I don't necessarily have to like find Herbert at, a price for the MVP or back necessarily the chargers. though it's a very interesting, you know, idea to go sort of deep in the playoffs. I just, you know, right now, like if they want a plus 300 division bet, I'd be like, cool, great. I didn't have to figure out that like Mike Williams had an awesome year because they're so deep at wide receiver. They have, you know, Austin Eckler obviously is certainly an offensive player of the year type of candidate. Like the defense is obviously like pretty loaded with talent. I don't need to like try to guess on like JC Jackson winning comeback player of the yeah. year, Derwin James picking off enough passes to be the defensive player of the year, or Joey Bosa not going offside three times a game. Like mm-hmm. I can just take them as sort of the macro big piece that they are, which is a highly talented team who plays the Chiefs tough every year, has a very comparable schedule to the Chiefs, right? It's not like one team is like got a way easier deal than the other and then just go like yeah i'll take the team that you think is 25 percent. i think it's 33 percent, 40 percent, right like i still don't think they should be the favorite but i'm mm-hmm. getting when we're talking about value right like that's the idea it's it's five percent edges on every bet that you make right and whether that's a point spread getting an extra point that you think the line should be getting a you know a half point off of a key number right you're getting plus three and a half instead of plus three that kind of thing all of that stuff adds up and yeah like we might have lost the last two years, for as an example, betting the Chargers. But if yeah. we win this year, all of that goes away and we end up profitable on the Chargers for the last three years, right? And like as crazy as that sounds. Now, I'll admit, like, we were on the Brandon Staley thing and then we were off the Brandon Staley thing. And I'm still <laughs> pretty off the Brandon Staley thing because I'm, I listen, it went about as bad as it could possibly go at the end of the year last year. So, yeah, I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to get into the crevices here and backing like okay. Brandon Staley to win coach of the year. We're just going big picture. The little chargers plus 300. Maybe we'll talk at the end of the podcast about the idea of, you know, AFC conference, et cetera. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Is there anything else in terms of like awards or anything, or, you know, you'd mentioned Mahomes earlier and you know, his MVP odds is something else there when we focus in on maybe individual uh, props, so to speak, or awards in the AFC West. I wouldn't do Mahomes to an MVP because it's that, again, it's that type of thing where it's like, there has to be kind of a level of expectation and you have to surpass that expectation. And the higher the expectation goes, you know, it's gonna be really hard for him to surpass. And by the way, if I think that like, they might not win the division at a, even at a 60% level, like why would I think necessarily that betting him as the favorite to win another MVP? Because as much as we sort of think of it as like Mahomes every year, he also doesn't necessarily uh, rack up the most passing yards. Last year was the first year that he actually had the most passing yards of yeah. it, uh, in the NFL. Can you believe that? Yeah. Like the year five without Tyreek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, not just that, just like he's had Injuries. four other really good years and didn't lead the league in passing yards, right? His last, yeah. the five, the, the year that he won the MVP and I believe also won offensive player of the year, he had 5,000 yards. And you know who had more yards than him that year? 
Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger wow. edged him like four years ago for most okay. most years. So it's like you can't even get into the stats because, I mean, listen, they might not play a 17th game and, and all of that sort of thing, right? And so, listen, they're going to be good. They're going to make the playoffs, but there's just no no pricing in, in that department. Speaking of um, this division and the idea of somebody kind of, you know, being really good, Josh Jacobs won the rushing title last year by over 100 Ooh. yards, which <laughs> okay. is like a full game. And it's okay. like, yeah, you're making you're 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 responding to that because it's like, well, that's kind of crazy. Like, I kind of forgot that happened. But the reality is that rushing title is a function of usage and it's a function of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he's now that he's back, he's got an extra couple million on what on what was going to be a franchise tag, but he's still got a one year deal, so he's going to be trying, right? Yeah. The Raiders are also going to run him right into the ground because they have no commitment to him after this season. So if he gets hurt, they just wash their hands and they walk away. It kind of all sets up for him to get another 300 to 350 carries. And if, and like, since when does the, the guy who won it last year come back the next year and is 18 to one to win the rushing title a second time? Like, again, I'm not even necessarily, I don't think he's going to do it because, you know, repeating is really tough, but 18 to one, if they play this season 18 times, he doesn't win it a couple of times. Just again, on volume, the idea that Derrick Henry has a viable backup this year in Tulane's Ty, uh, Ty J Spears. The idea that like, yeah, Nick Chubb is like awesome because he gets what he gets. Like he's just write him down for 1500 yards every year. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But he's also priced a quarter of the payout of Josh Jacobs, who I think will get the same opportunity that Nick Chubb uh, gets to to obviously rack up some yards. So I look at that and I just go like, yeah, all right, I'll just go back in on Josh Jacobs. I don't have to pay much for it, right? If I'm trying to win X amount of dollars, like I have to, I spend way less than if I'm trying to win X amount of dollars on uh, on uh, Nick Chubb. So the, you have twelve, you have twelve to one up there. There there are some eighteen to ones uh, circulating the uh, marketplace here. So um, as always, right, you want to shop around for the best price. But I just kind of that jumped out at me as I wanted mm-hmm. to be like, well, Josh Jacobs isn't going to do it again. But then you give me a price where the market goes, yeah, we we don't think he's going to do it again. And you're like, well, maybe he does. And at, you know, like I said, close to eighteen to one. That's absolutely something I would do. And hopefully people, the people that are used to the pod, you'll know we talk a lot about shopping for the best lines. And that's why you're going to hear the different numbers being thrown out there because that is a huge, huge, huge part of sports betting and betting on the NFL that kind of goes under the radar and is not talked about at nearly as much as it should be. So always remember that. We'll always tip that in and mention that as well because the lines do vary. Um But if we keep things moving here and we switch things up, we go from, where were we here? We're in the AFC West. If we go to the AFC East, another uh, highly touted, highly super popular (laughs) division as well. We got lots going on here. Buffalo Bills at plus 120, the Jets at plus 250, the Dolphins at plus 300, and the Patriots at plus 800. Boy, how times have changed in that division. The Patriots, oof, tough times there. But if we look at the AFC East, what do we like in there? Because as as I look at this, I'm not falling for the Jets thing. Like I, I get it, I understand it. You know, I understand why. You know, the hype machine and Aaron Rodgers, and you look at what happened with their season last year with the Jets, and it did seem like they were a quarterback away. But Aaron Rodgers. In the cold weather, like I just don't know how much I can buy into Aaron Rodgers at this age to be the Aaron Rodgers that we all think or the public is thinking that they're going to get. When I look at this and I think of of good value here, it might be the Miami Dolphins. And I know the thing that makes me worried, obviously, is the health of Tua. I get that. Totally understand that. But I'm looking more, I'll be honest with you, at the bottom of the division with these odds in terms of the Dolphins and the Patriots, more so than I'm looking at the top of the division as it's listed with the Bills and Jets. Like You could talk me into the Patriots, and I don't know, we actually got an offensive coordinator this year, right? Like that might be a good place to start. So I'm looking at the bottom here with the Patriots and Dolphins more than I'm looking at the top. What do you think, my dude? 
Yeah, I think you're on the right track there with regards to one of those two teams. I, I played the Dolphins at plus 375 like months ago. So that's kind of where I stand. I still like it at plus 300. Anything plus 300 or better is certainly worth the play there. Obviously, the idea with the Dolphins and any bet that you make, by the way, to a Tagovailoa for most passing yards, I think there's a lot of value there. But the whole point is, it's like you look at Tua and you go, you know, what's the first thing everybody says, right? One hit and he's done for like his career, right? Like that's it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like that might be true. But like, if you've done anything in the off season, if you're the Miami Dolphins, it's let's protect Tua. <laughs> you know, like we saw what it looked like when Tua wasn't the quarterback. So, and, and, and Tua has to protect himself too, right? Like this isn't yep. just like he can just be kind of, you know, blindsided all the time and kind of get away with it. You're right. As far as the Patriots are concerned, like the defense is going to be really good and who knows what's going on with the offense because they didn't actually bother like having a legitimate infrastructure last year with that offense. Like, I don't hate it, man. Like as like a high variance, like everybody wants to look at the Patriots on often and go like, okay, we know what to expect. Like somewhere between seven and like nine wins or so like, yeah, or the defense just like kind of never gives up any points and the offense has like just improved enough to like win a bunch of games 21-17 or something like that, right? Like I think the like low variance kind of comes in the game, which then creates high variance from a record standpoint, right? Yeah. So I you know, I don't hate that, but I have like what I like like I said I have a really good position right now on the Dolphins at plus 375 and that's the way that I'm going with it. Obviously, the Jalen Ramsey injury is, like, not ideal, but, like, that's still just not getting a player in your lineup that you didn't have last year anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, like, the guy who was a star last year for your team is out. Now you have to, like, revamp everything that you used to do defensively. This is more like, yeah, that thing that we were probably going to try to do with this guy, like, we just can't do that anymore, but, like, we still have a pretty good playbook. <laughs> when it comes yeah. to like defensive, you know, pressures and guys that, you know, you don't hear that much of Jalen Phillips, I think is an interesting name for maybe like most sacks. So like, he doesn't have the, the name brand for defensive player of the year per se, but like most sacks is the type of thing that like, you can have a guy that not many people sort of, isn't really a household name, let's say. And he can might, he might have 17 sacks this season. Right. And like Christian mm -hmm. Wilkins in the middle is one of their better players. I know they're kind of having issues with kind of getting him signed to a long-term deal, but like, when you go into that depth chart defensively, even without Jalen Ramsey, it's like, man, this team's kind of loaded, right? And so, you know, listen, we just talked about the Chargers. Talk about the Dolphins here, similarly priced to win the division. Guess who's matching up in the first week of the season, right? Like, that's going to be really one of, if not the most, like for me, I think that's the most interesting game as far as like a, all right, let's see these two teams go at each other. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, a very similar boat here. I, I mean, I'm, I'm largely fading the Bills, essentially at the prices that they're at. We talked about them last year going into the year as being somewhat of a dark horse to maybe miss the playoffs. And I don't know that they did anything in the playoffs that was all that impressive. And so, <laughs> like, they got to the playoffs. You know, the schedule was a little lighter than we thought it was going to be. This year, that schedule is rough. Von Miller already starts on the pup list and we saw where the, their defensive pressure, their pass rush went when Miller got hurt last year. And that is to say it went into the tank. And so they barely get by the dolphins and Skylar Thompson. And then they basically get like run up and down the field, uh, you know, kicked around by the Bengals. And so like, why would I put them in the category of the Bengals and chiefs, which is kind of where they're being rated right now. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about ratings next week when we get into week one, but like at plus 120 in this in this division like yeah i'm with you man like the jets the thing with the jets is like again we talked about this in the last just because we like the packers without aaron Rodgers, doesn't mean i have to hate the jets with aaron Rodgers. like yeah it is an upgrade on zach wilson now is yeah. that going to win them necessarily a ton of games like not with this offensive line Right. If you can't protect Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be the same deal as it was last year with the Packers where Rodgers might be, you know, a thirty nine point four QBR again or whatever that that number was. Right. So mm -hmm. um, if I'm if I if I like the Jets to succeed, what do I like about the Jets? Well, the defense. Right. Like the idea is the defense is the good unit and the offense just has to be serviceable for them to like be a contender ish, like at least for the playoffs. 
But the defense, to me, is run essentially by one guy or sort of you know highlighted by one guy. And that's Quinnen Williams in the middle. I think he's the best chance to be kind of an Aaron Donald of the next five years of okay. anybody in the league. And especially, listen, we saw it last year um, with regards to like rookie of the year voting and, and for the Giants coach of the year voting, right? Being in New York matters. And Quinnen Williams, obviously, you know, one of the stars of, of Hard Knocks this, uh, this past summer, I think he's going to get a lot of attention for how good he is just disrupting things. He gets numbers, which a lot of times from a defensive tackle, like, you know, um, interior defensive end type of position, like that can kind of be the missing part. I think he's capable of a 14 sack season, which is kind of around where Aaron Donald was, where people were recognizing, man, this guy's getting double and triple teamed every game. I think that's going to be the same thing with Williams. And I think he's good enough to kind of overcome that, get enough sacks and, and obviously get the interest of the New York media, which, you know, like it always has been is, is kind of, you know, this sort of tiebreaker when it comes to backing um, players for awards. And so defensive player of the year around 25 to one for Quinn and Williams, I think is the most interesting kind of player market, certainly by far on the jets. I would steer clear of anything Aaron Rodgers related. Again, I think he'll be good <laughs> enough, good enough to get them obviously more wins, but like, this isn't going to be some high flying offense. Like the idea, like Garrett Wilson's like the fifth choice for most receiving yards. Like I might be like way off on that, but like, at his best, Devonte Adams was only averaging like 85 yards per game, and like you kind of need to be averaging like 100 yards per game for you to win most uh, to to have the most receiving yards. So I don't see that happening for Garrett uh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, AFC East will be filled with storylines for sure. You just mentioned the big names of Aaron Rodgers, but obviously to his health, the Buffalo Bills. I mean either they're going to win the Super Bowl or they're going to flame out, right? It seems like there's no middle ground for the Buffalo Bills. Like it just, the hype machine was so much. And now you're noticing people kind of like backpedaling off that a little. So who knows where that ends up, but AFC East definitely will be a division to watch this season as well. Um, I'm not really sure how to describe the AFC South, but we will... We will discuss that now. Right. And I mean, the AFC South got the Jags at minus 157, the Titans at plus 315, the Colts at plus 600, and the Texans at plus 874. I'm looking at these numbers here, and I understand what the Jags did last season. I understand they won in the playoffs. I don't know. You can, well, I'll leave it to someone else's debate. Did they win that game or did the Chargers blow that game? Either way, they made it in the playoffs. They gave the Chiefs a really good go in the playoffs as well. Yeah. I understand all that. It's still really hard for me to look at this and be like, minus 157. Like, that's a huge favorite for this team. And I get it and I understand it. But that's also not what we're trying to do here. Right. So, when I look at these other numbers, the thing that jumps out to me the most here that I'm kind of interested to see in how it all plays out is I would say with the Colts. The Colts are just an interesting storyline to me because this can go either way. Like, I don't know what exactly is going to happen with Jonathan Taylor, but if he's back, that kind of changes things, I feel like, a little bit. It won't have a huge effect. I'm not talking like the number's going to jump like that much and they're now favorites to win. Sure. But they're just a very interesting team where I feel like the Titans are more in a transition phase. And I don't know if the Texans are ready just yet and you know how much i love betting on the texans but that's more about covering spreads yeah. than it is actually winning games so this is a super interesting division to me i'm not really sure where my sneaky pick would be because obviously the jags are such heavy favorites but if there was a value pick to be made what would you make it in this the afc south listen you spend you know like i said try to uh, in the last podcast right you try to do other things in the summertime because i know i'm locked down here basically for the next six to eight to ten months when the hockey season is going to eventually start here too so you get out on the golf course right you know you try to hit a couple of you know good shots you hit a drive down the middle of the fairway you're amazed for a couple of minutes that you actually hit one and you can find it and you're walking to your ball and you're waiting for your playing partners to hit etc cetera, etc cetera, and you your mind wanders to the nfl right? Because I can never fully get away from it. And the team that is 32nd most likely for me to think about on a July summer day is the same team that either you just didn't say anything about them 
in that last intro or when you said something about them, I got so bored hearing their name that I immediately like blacked out and for and didn't realize that you were talking about them because they are like the least sort of, you know, sexy team in the entire NFL, but they are the answer to your question. Oh, that's the Tennessee Titans. Oh, okay. It's the ten- they are they are they are in the division as well, my friend. They are. And, and they're as high as plus, you know, long as long as plus 350 to win a division that 3 years ago they won, I believe it was 12 games or 11. No, sorry, it was, that was a 16 game season. They were 11 and 5, won the mm-hmm. division. The next season, they were 12 and 5, won the division. And through 10 games last year, they were 7 and 3, while the Jags were 3 and 7, which tells you like how crazy that flip flop came when the Jags just went and won a bunch of games at the end of the season. Yeah. But listen, we talk about the NFL schedule all the time and the idea that like they're only playing 17 games. And so in this case, we're taking a seven game sample size, which Mm -hmm. like, you know, I know this isn't the case for you, you know, NBA guru and and producer of all things, you know, Toronto Raptors. But like I can go seven games into the NBA season without realizing that the season has started. Right. Like seven games is not a big sample size. Like I know in the NFL, cause it's seven weeks and yeah. we replay, I say this all the time. We replay the game over and over and over again throughout the week. And we, you know, we only remember what we saw this pa- the last Sunday. It's like, we all just go and get tattoos of the score from the last, you know, the last week and God forbid teams can <laughs> play differently from week to week. And like, yeah, I know Ryan Tannehill is not like the most fun anybody's ever had, but like Mike Vrabel, Ryan Tannehill in conjunction like they win games and things got out of hand last year. Like Harold Landry had never played a game and never played a down. I don't believe last year who is it, you know, one of the kind of, I don't want to say no name. Cause that's a, you know, if you look at the roster, the defensive roster, there's a lot of dudes you might remember, including some for, you know, former 49er in the mix there at linebacker. There's plenty of good players on defense. The addition of DeAndre Hopkins, which we have not seen on field, like we always like to see stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's easy to be like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins, like, oh, he's probably washed up. It's like, or that was just the first step in the Cardinals' epic attempt to finish DFL in this season so that they can get the number one pick, draft Caleb Williams, and kick Kyler to the curb and restart this whole process, which, by the way, also included uh, trading their draft pick this year or you know making a draft day trade to get an extra first round pick next year like the cardinals aren't even trying so i'm not going to beat deandre hopkins up for moving from the cardinals you know to and not getting traded he just got like let go mm-hmm. and then but his presence moves Traylon burks from this idea of like you have to replace aj brown and be the number one receiver and it moves him into the number two spot which like from a basketball and more basketball references here like uh, you know that's a nice little thing in the NBA where you can move a guy from who might not be cut out to be a one into that secondary scorer type role. Yeah. I like, I like the tight end Chigo, Chigo Aquanku. I'm sure I bought, botched that, or maybe I got that right. I'm not sure anybody knows who just listened, who's listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> and then Derek Henry, people are like, Oh, what if Derek Henry gets hurt? He's turning 30, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, college football fans know Ty, Ty J Spears is legit and NFL fans. It took them almost no time to realize watching him in the preseason that he is legit. So you're going to get a little bit of like less wear and tear on Derrick Henry. He's going to be fresher for fourth quarters. And Tajay Spears has game breaking ability. Just ask USC last year in uh, what I believe was the cotton bowl. So I just look at it and I go like, man, the boringness of the Titans is kind of a little, dare I say sexier. Have they put on a little cocktail dress type situation here? Like, (laughs) Oh, okay. I see you, Tennessee offense. And like, yeah, it's, you're still like, ah, oh, it's still Tannehill. It's like, listen, as long as it's not Malik Willis, who it was in the second half of the season last year, as far as having to play him. They also had a Josh Dobbs situation towards the end of the year. And by the way, almost beat the Jaguars in that last game to steal back the playoff spot that they systematically choked away, right? I remember. Which I, I, you know, I'll go out and say it. I think if they had Tannehill for that game, they probably win that game. Call me crazy. Josh Allen, the defensive version of Josh Allen, doesn't get that, uh, you know, that touchdown, the defensive touchdown to steal that game. 
And by the way, we're talking about all this without actually getting to the point as far as the pricing is concerned. All of that stuff happened last year where it came, like we said, talked about m multiple times so far. It came down to one, maybe two plays, the difference between the Titans winning the division and the Jags winning the division. And one is being priced at minus 150. The other's being priced at better for us than plus 300. Like, mm -hmm. I'll take the plus 300 if you, you know, okay. if you twist my arm. And the reason is, like, not the reason is, but the reason, like, that we're getting this price it's because none of these guys played in the preseason, right? Like, we keep waiting to see, like, all the fervor when Aaron Rodgers just showed up to play a drive in the preseason, right? Like, honestly, I who hate cares? The preseason so but, much. But at least these guys, you actually remind yourself, like, oh, the Titans are actually, like, have a decent little group here. But that group's never going to look that decent when Will Levis, as a rookie, and Malik Willis, who's, like, probably isn't it, are the ones operating that. And I think they ended up winning two of their three preseason games anyway, but it's like, nobody's like, oh, I got to watch the Titans in preseason. Got to, got to check this, this, this hot offense out. It's like, no, man, like we're, we're going to forget that you exist. You didn't quite make the playoffs last year, but by the way, you were what, what did I just do on the math there? 30 and uh, 14 prior to their losing streak at the end of that season for the last <laughs> three years. And a coach in, in Mike Vrabel who like always gets it, you know, out of his players. And so, yeah, man, like, give me the Titans here. I'm not, listen, the Jags, they'll be fine. They'll be interesting. Everybody, everybody wants the Trevor Lawrence thing to, like, work out to the point where, like, he's awesome this year and throws for the most yards in the league and all that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, maybe, but, like, not at these prices. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. I know this is a strange division because, as we just mentioned, there's a lot of kind of wild cards at play. But are there any awards you're looking at? Or, you know, maybe rushing leaders, passing leaders, anything that kind of stands out? Or is it more just the the big thing here is just the Tennessee Titans getting that much value at over plus 300? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key here. Obviously, I just I mentioned Spears, right? And I think the function of Spears mm -hmm. is to take some pressure off of Henry, which takes the sort of high end potential uh. for Henry, where it's like he's really likely to be like, fourth in the league in rushing but he's less likely than ever to be first in rushing right and so that kind of like artificially keeps his number down which people don't really necessarily like realize and that allows for somebody and listen it might not be josh jacobs again but that allows for somebody else to kind of swoop in and have a 1600 1700 yard uh season and then look around and be like oh i guess i'm just the rushing title winner right right like it's like i that's odd. Didn't really expect that. Right. And so Jags, like there's nothing really to play there. Like, you know, certainly Doug Peterson's coach of the year chances were last year because that was the year that they surprised. There's no surprises there. Uh, the Colts thing is interesting. Speaking of rushing title, like you, you mentioned Taylor, Jonathan Taylor doesn't have a team necessarily right the second and is the third choice to lead the league in rushing in that market. So it's like incredible. that, right? Like that's just the kind of stuff that like, you know, as sharp as all these markets are, they also kind of like just don't know what to do with certain guys. And so, yeah, I'm not there with the Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson wasn't particularly good in college. Mm -hmm. And so I would be surprised if all of a sudden he was good in the pros. I think he's an interesting fantasy quarterback because he's going to like kind of accidentally get you 60 yards rushing and maybe a touchdown per game. But like he kind of takes away all the value from anybody on the offense. They don't have an outstanding defender. Uh, I don't have no opinion on rookie of the year, which obviously both Richardson and Stroud are prominently involved in. But I think Damian Pierce is a guy who like wants the ball 300 times. And when we're talking about rushing title, as a longer shot than Jacobs, something, somebody to pair with Jacobs, who I think again could have three to 350 um, carries. Mm -hmm. Damian Pierce is an interesting play. I think he's available around 30 ish to one um, as, like I said, as sort of a secondary bet there along with Jacobs for the rushing title. Um, and yeah, like the Titans just win games. They just cover games, but there isn't a player on that team. Um, and maybe Frable wins another coach of the year. Like, <laughs> 
We'll, seems like a stretch, but yeah. we'll get into more of a lot of the themes and 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 narratives that I, I like throwing out every single week once we get into like the game action and we kind of pick and choose our spots. But definitely Vrabel in winning games. You'll hear that saying a lot throughout this season, just when we're talking about head-to-head matchups between certain teams and the differences that coaches can make. I'm definitely looking forward to getting that started next week with our week one picks. But switching gears from the AFC South to the AFC North, our final, our last and final stop. And I want to say the AFC North is always such a like an amazing division. It's like no matter what's going down, no matter if you think this team is up or this team is down, even as you look again, the Steelers are in quote unquote last, but somehow if we're talking about Mike Vrabel figuring out ways to win, Mike Tomlin consistently finding ways to win. So when we look at the odds in the AFC North, you got Cincy leading the way at plus 150, Baltimore at plus 220, Cleveland at plus 367, and Pittsburgh, at, as mentioned, plus 472. This is a really, really tough to sit, uh, division here. When I look at it, and I, I got to be honest here, if, if I'm not taking the favorite here with the Bengals, mm-hmm. it might be the Ravens. And the one thing with the Ravens is – Despite all the chaos, year in and year out, somehow, some way, they are right there. And if Lamar is finally happy, which I feel like might have been an issue the last couple of years, mm-hmm. that might be a thing there where I'm looking at this line and saying I'm getting plus 220 there for a team that is consistently pretty good. Their defense is normally pretty solid. And now I don't really buy fully into the weapons, but I just think adding just someone other than Mark Andrews, right. Might actually be a thing like whomever that is. And, and Odell might be washed, but at least he's something that's better than Hollywood Brown or whatever they'd be throwing out there with, with Lamar over recent years. So I like the Ravens at plus 220 if I'm looking at the value pick here in the AFC North. What about you? Yeah, right there with you, absolutely. And and listen, if the Steelers were a longer price, I would be on the Steelers if they were in that sort of like 8 to 1, 10 to 1 type of range. And I want to be doing a lot of backing of the Steelers this year and I want to find ways to do it. And the Steelers kind of they're comparable to me. They're like the AFC version of the Packers. And like spoiler alert if you haven't caught part 1 is like I want to back the Packers in the division, sure, but I'm also adding stuff with the Packers um, because if I think if they win their division, they've sort of conquered a handful of teams in that division that kind of bodes well for them in the futures market, right? And so if like the Steelers happen to win this division, I'm probably going to win, like I have them down for like last undefeated team that I, I've, I've written and uh, wrote about that over at the score. Mm-hmm. And I have Tomlin coach of the year, 20 to one, right? Like if they win the division, tell me Mike Tomlin isn't getting a coach of the year. Like a guy who's never won coach of the year, by the way, which is and has like, which is crazy to sort of think about. It's like kind of that old Russell Wilson, like MVP thing. You're like, you know, he's never had a vote for MVP. It's like, yeah, but like go back every year. And like he never really was like the MVP yeah, yeah. though. And so like, but this is like the type of situation where it's like, yeah, man, you were picked to be fourth in your division. You won that division. This isn't a 13 to one like commander situation. This isn't a, even a Patriots eight to one or a Bucks eight to one where like nobody thought you could do it. Like plus four seventy two here on, on your screen. Like that's, like that's not crazy by any means but my point is is if they win that like other guys are going to get credit and i think the coach is one who's going to get credit for that like talking about them potentially as like a afc champion is sort of a reasonable thing because if you were better than the bengals and the ravens you might be better than a lot of teams and so like that's right like that's the type of attitude i have with with uh, the steelers but the other reason i'm not taking the steelers is because like i can't shake the fact that the Ravens are like putting together, I don't want to call like super team necessarily, but that they're just like kind of loading up here. And like you mentioned, like, yeah, maybe Beckham's washed, but like we haven't had that disproven in any way because the last time we saw him play play is he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Was on his way to maybe like winning Super MVP. Bowl MVP. Yeah. yeah. And like Cooper Cup ended up sort of like getting that, but like mm-hmm. it was on the table 
for Beckham. And so, like, yeah, it was a little weird. And we sort of, you and I kind of questioned it last year as far as, like, all right, are any of these teams, like, going to pick this guy up? And if they're not, like, is it because he's not ready or he's not good or whatever? But when Lamar Jackson had his, like, MVP season in 2019, like you mentioned, obviously, Mark Andrews, like, leading the way there. And by the way, he's a sneaky pick for most touchdowns, most receiving touchdowns this year at a pretty decent number. Um, but there are other wide receiving options where, as you said, Marquise Brown and Willie Sneed. Like, those were second, <laughs> those are second and third in touchdowns, right? Yeah. And, like, again, college football fans will – remember zay flowers wasn't that mm -hmm. long ago he was awesome literally last year and the year before and the year before that for boston college like that's a that's what the ravens do right it's sneaky draft pick sneaky awesome draft pick is like basically if they change the name from ravens that would be the the team name i would i would call them because like <laughs> that's the key to the entire franchise is that they keep sneaking these draft picks right whether it's kyle mm -hmm. hamilton who might be a pro bowl safety this year and if a safety could sort of put up more stats i'd be interested in him in defensive player of the year or how about stealing quote-unquote roquan smith from the Bears last year. That guy's 50 to 1 to win the Defensive Player of the Year. And, like, yeah, it's a middle linebacker. He's not going to get a ton of sacks. He'll get five. And, like, maybe there's an interception in there somewhere, but he also might lead the league or come close to leading the league in tackles. And so, whether it's, you know, we talked about Quinn and Williams being a Defensive Player of the Year candidate because he's like the best player on an awesome unit. Roquan Smith might be the face of an awesome Ravens defense this year because of how deep they are at the three levels. But getting back to the Lamar Jackson thing, it's like, yeah, you mentioned like, yeah, he might be happier. This is kind of a you know roundabout thing, but stay with me here. A couple of years ago, remember, like in the peak of like Baker Mayfield being like bad on Cleveland, it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, but like he's kind of hurt, right? And it's like, well, yeah, he has to keep playing because like that's what a quarterback does. A quarterback keeps playing. And as long as you're out there, you're going to be sus, you know, um, you know, suspect or, or sort of like uh, open for criticism if you play badly. But like, yeah, if your shoulder or your clavicle's all mangled, like you probably are going to play bad. But he yeah. needed to make a contract and like all of that sort of thing. He needed to get that fifth option picked up and all that kind of thing. And so he goes and he plays and it kind of backfires because he stinks, right? And like, yeah, he's still in the league, obviously. And like, as we mentioned, we're a little bit, we're high as a stretch, but we're medium on him for, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers relative to market uh, pricing. Well, Lamar Jackson kind of had the same thing, I think, last year where it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, he could have come back, but he could have A, hurt himself worse, one of those type of deals, or he could have been not so great. But instead, he sort of stood up for himself in kind of like a not ideal way from this like traditional leadership, I'm playing through injury type of a way, but was like, you know what, man, I'm not going to be bad and like hurt my value. I'm not going to do that. And like, I'm going to kind of string you along because by the way, you didn't like, I think he thinks negotiating good faith, right? You didn't lock me up to the point where I can, I can take this risk in playing. So if you're not yeah. there for me, why should I be like fully there for you? And so I think that was the situation that you're kind of referencing where it's like, we always kind of felt like, remember all the, every point spread for like a month at the end of the season was like, it's kind of an in-between number, whether it's Lamar playing or, uh, you know, somebody Hell else yeah. playing, right? Because it's like, yeah, he might come back. Cause like, he yeah, just never came back. And by the way, like they also almost beat the Bengals in Cincinnati in the playoffs with basically no offense to speak of. And so mm -hmm. what happened last year is when Smith came over from the Bears midway through the season, they went from a team who was like giving up 25 points a game to a team that was like giving up 15 points a game. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh man, like this defense again almost won them a playoff game. That's like, oh, by the way, how about we bring back the MVP quarterback that we have? How about we bring back, bring an offensive coordinator in that I think probably jives a little bit better, right? Everybody knows Stetson Bennett from Georgia mm -hmm. and how like, their offensive coordinator made Stetson Bennett look unstoppable. <laughs> I'm not like, I mean, yeah, it helps. No, that you have I know what you're saying. I'm better you. players than the opponent in every game that you play if you're Georgia. But, but like, still. a 60 point win in the national championship game or whatever that ended up being against TCU because mm -hmm. like Stetson Bennett's running free and he's got wide open guys. It's like, God, imagine just sinking Lamar Jackson into that. And like, yeah, I'm not expecting 30-point wins every week necessarily. But like Zay Flowers, Beckham, and we talked about slotting the Tennessee receivers into sort of more appropriate place. Rashad Bateman as a third receiving option potentially, mm -hmm. or fourth if you count Mark Andrews. Like, 
Now, all of a sudden, you're like cooking with gas a little bit. And of course, the last thing is the running backs who all got injured two years ago. And I don't know what's going on with like the surgical situation or the rehab situation. But all those guys like couldn't quite get back. Right. Dobbins like played and it would be like, man, he's kind of limping a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to think he's past that or they would have found another running back in this offseason. But he seems to be back. Like that's the whole idea there is like he's still a young guy and like everything's sort of fixed up. Man, I think they might be both nasty on offense and defense. And by the way, they always have the best special teams in the in. And we don't, you know, we don't talk about that a lot. We're gonna win a lot of games because as soon as you know, especially when as soon as you get past the forty, everybody's looking over at Justin Tucker, going like, "Worst case scenario, we get three <laughs> out of this drive." And I know, like, it's but like every week we talk about kickers missing, and in a league where like how many t- how many references have we made to different games that came down to one play or three points or this mm-hmm. that or whatever and it's like yeah man if you can get that play out of your special teams whether it's a kick return or a big you know decent sized kick return if not a touchdown and your kicker is lights out and like again we talk about how the ravens like they're like the eagles with lamar jackson they become a four down offensive team right Th- like it's oh fourth and two we're going for it because we have Lamar. We're going for it because we have Jalen Hurts, right? Like yeah. they have that ability. But when he's out, they not only is their quarterback worse just by replacement, but he also has to play in three downs. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting like this 25% bump by just getting to play fourth down on offense the way that the Ravens do if they're kind of anywhere near midfield. And so like there's a lot of hidden value in that situation. And I don't think they're that far behind the Bengals because we watched them play last year in the playoffs without Lamar and they weren't that far from the Bengals. So yeah, yeah, man, give me the Ravens here, anything plus 200 or better. I think, uh, and listen, we'll talk about them sort of bigger picture here in a bit. I like it for sure. I like it for sure. And what we did at the end of our part one of their, our super extravaganza NFL preview was we talked about the conference odds. And when I look at the AFC as a whole, it's super interesting stuff here, I would say, because, you know, obviously the Chiefs are going to lead the way at plus 350. You got the Bills, kind of alluded to them being overvalued, but they have the second best at plus 475. The Bengals at plus 500. Somehow the Giant or the Giants, the Jets chime in at plus 900. The Ravens, as we were just talking about, at plus 1,020. That, to me right there... I'm looking at that and I'm like, hmm, that's what really stands out to me yeah. as I look I look at that to win the AFC. Um, what other numbers are out there that stand out to you? I'm looking at the chart or the Chargers at plus 1,200. That's kind of spicy to me. Um, it's very interesting. The AFC is a powerhouse, I, I would say, when I look at both yeah. of these conferences. Like, those are really, really good teams there that, you know, might not even make the championship game. Yeah, I mean, we're talking like, you know, obviously depending on the site you're looking at, but kind of like if if you're looking at a site that has two teams per row, we're talking like fourth row teams, you know, that are really, really good. You know, you're kind of getting down there like Chargers 12 to 1. And it sounds like crazy Chargers 12 to 1, Ravens 11 to 1. And those obviously are, you know, based on what we've talked about here are kind of the two teams that that I would be interested in as like if it's clicking because, you know, listen, both have new offensive coordinators, for example, right? Like, that's the substantive change that could turn it from kind of like, what are they doing to like, wow, look at what they're doing. Those are the two teams that I that I look at at, at again, 11 and 12 to one. Um, but yeah, it, the reason they are that long is because of the attention that the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals get. But listen, it's the NFL, right? Things change year to year, right? And like, again, if that Joe Burrow injury wasn't just a, you know, sort of a calf thing, and it was an Achilles thing, that changes the dynamics of the entire thing. And I'm not saying like, he's going to get hurt or whatever. But I'm just saying like, everything is on such a tiny, like sliver, Mm -hmm. right, of an edge. And if anything, and again, doesn't even have to be an injury, right? If just something slightly goes wrong, we talked about, you know, we watched the bills last year in the playoffs, like protections got dicey and the pass rush was non-existent for the second half. And that was enough to make them vulnerable against the dolphins and get worked at home by the Bengals. And so it's like, it does not take much for you to go. And that's why, again, we'll talk next week about ratings from like a team that's rated as a 75 or a 70 to like a 60. And when you go from 70 to 60 in the NFL, you're throwing a bunch of teams into that mix that can beat you on 
any given Sunday, right? That's, <laughs> uh, that's the thing that we always talk about. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, like I talked about, you know, the Steelers 30 to one, I would like a better price necessarily than that. That's not terrible. But again, I rather Tomlin at 20 to one to win coach of the year. That just requires them to be good in the regular season. You know, like I said, with the undefeated thing, right? They have a, there's a pretty big price on them to be the last team undefeated. I think you kind of only need to go five and zero, maybe six and zero, to be the last team undefeated. Mm-hmm. I want that sort of front loaded regular season stuff when it comes to the Steelers, but I'm not averse to them in the playoffs as well. But yeah, I'd like something a little bit better than thirty to one in that department because, like you said, there's just a ton of teams in this mix that, uh, again, would be would be heavily favored in the NFC or certainly in a in a particular division in the NFC. Uh, and just to round things out here, just want to ask, is there anyone that we haven't really focused in on yet in terms of like NFL MVP or someone there that you kind of, you know, worth a sprinkle, maybe we'll say. Can we can we go a little off the board as far as not necessarily a person, though obviously we'll talk about individuals, but an award that we haven't really talked about. And I think this is one that's, that's like, it's way easier to talk about than it is to write about for me. So I've been looking forward to having somebody to talk about uh, this with. And that's the Comeback Player of the Year Award. If you fire that market <laughs> up, Shell, like it yeah. is a wild scene in there mm-hmm. because DeMar Hamlin is the heavy favorite for Comeback Player of the Year. And it starts this awkward conversation that luckily we've been talking for two hours here on both podcasts combined that Mm -hmm. like, I think people sort of understand, like we're talking valuations. We are not heartless in all of this, but we have to sort of treat this as an accounting practice, a money-making ordeal, if you will. And the reality for me is, and I'll sort of, this would be my sort of quote unquote hottest take you'll find here today is I don't think DeMar Hamlin has a chance to win this award. And he's a odds on minus whatever. Fa- I've seen him as high as minus 700 out there. <laughs> like people yeah. are getting like loose out there. Yeah. And what happens is this market gets built on the idea of like, oh, it's a story. And the story has already been told, which is mm-hmm. my problem with it. We've had the ESPYs moment. We've had the NFL awards moment already. Like he's, he's been on the field in the preseason. Yeah. And it's all very exciting. And this is awesome. 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 Nobody's going to be like, Oh, I wish he like didn't come back or something like that. That's not what we're talking about here. He is a worthwhile thing that has been celebrated and should be celebrated as long as he's in the league. (laughs) But the reality is for comeback player of the year, three things have to happen. One, you had to have been awesome in the first place. Like you had to be good for the most part. Right. Or at least considered good. And that means you either had to put up big numbers be a starting player for an extended period of time or being drafted highly. Mar <laughs> Hamlin does not categor- doesn't categorize in any way sh- in any of those things. You then have to go away, which Hamlin counts for. Uh, like that's kind of the point of why he's favored. He is certainly making a comeback. Yeah. But that comeback also then has to be you have to put up numbers. Like if you look at past comeback player of the years, like these guys are all pretty much stars who have either been sort of draft, a combination of being drafted high, had success, won playoff games. Like Alex Smith was, a, you know, obviously a quarterback who won playoff games, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to go away to the point where we kind of forgot about you, i.e. Geno Smith last year. And then you have to come back and you have to put up stats. So think of it like rookie of the year, right? Rookie of the year, there is essentially two parameters. You have to be a rookie and then you have to put up stats. So like the rookie of the year, like a guy could not even be that great league-wide, as long as he's better than all the rookies, he wins that award. The comeback yes. player of the year is like, you don't even have to be, you, I shouldn't say you don't have to be great because there's a lot of really good names on this list, but you're going, you're, you're competing against a subset of the population. Now this yeah. subset happens to, you know, have Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Tua Tagovailoa, Brees Hall, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley has no chance of winning this award, of course, because he's not getting, he's coming back from a gambling suspension and that's not going to happen. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like these are, these are high. Imagine that though. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And there's some that I don't even really understand why they're necessarily on this list. I mean, the Deshaun Watson thing is legitimately funny that he's on this list. Um God, there was one that I was like, what did, what is he even coming back from? Odell at plus four, 
like 4,500. Wow. You are hitting the nail right on the head. So we can fast forward to like, okay, who would you take? And the reality is like, that's a guy who qualifies as a guy who everybody left for dead. You already said maybe he's washed, right? Like that's coming mm -hmm. back from doing something. And by the way, Damar Hamlin, like I should mention, like the, the reason he was on the field last year, as much as he was, was because the Bills suffered injuries at, at both safety positions. Yes. The reality is he's a backup safety. There was even some concern he might not make the team this year. It was at least noted that like, yeah, he made the roster. And it's like, yeah. So when he ends up playing and he gets like one tackle per game in sort of limited action, unless these like very good safeties that the Bills have, like Pro Bowl level safeties, unless they get hurt again, like he's just not going to have the stats to like four or five months from now. Mm -hmm we're not going to still be talking about it. Not in a way where it's like, Oh yeah, he was the comeback player of the year because some of these guys chase young, Mike Williams, uh, you know what I mean? Like Michael Thomas, who like apparently is healthy this year, maybe kind of sort of like, there's just so many guys, like somebody's going to be good here and you're going to be like, Oh yeah. Like he's back. Like Cooper cup, Cooper cup, 30 to yeah. one. 30 to one. And we just talked about how like 10 to one might be the right number for him uh, to have the most touchdowns uh, from a receiving standpoint. Yeah. Beckham cup chase young. Like these are guys who are like almost definitely going to have sort of a thousand yard season, maybe 10 sack seasons. And you're going to be like, yeah, like he wasn't a thing last year. Like he has come back from something to be awesome. And so while it's awesome that DeMar Hamlin is alive and well and playing again, we are clearly setting this odds board almost like from five months ago. <laughs> and, the, and the voting will be done five months, five months from now. I'm yeah. so excited knocking my microphone over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like in like it just requires, you know, listen, we're trying to crystal ball all of this stuff, right? We're trying to predict yeah. the future. The one thing I'm most confident about predicting the future is that like the Hamlin thing is going to just kind of be like, all right, cool. Like we did we 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 did all of this stuff, right? Like yeah. we and it's awesome that he played hopefully the all 17 games and all that stuff, right? Like Tugabai Low, I don't even know if I mentioned Tugabai, maybe I did. But like there's so many other guys who are going to put up big time numbers and be in this mix that like it just doesn't make any sense. Certainly makes no sense to lay any kind of price with Hamlin, but not only that, like I just don't think he can win. Uh there was a similar situation last year with Derrick Henry where it was like Oh, he was like a top three choice and this isn't even close to the same odds, but he was like yeah. three to one to win comeback player of the year. I'm like, he just played in the playoffs. Yeah. Why is he a comeback player? Like we, he came back, he did it. But right. Like there's so many <laughs> like, guys. There's a world though. Back yet. Like there's a world you mentioned Tua, right? And if Tua just plays like, okay, but he plays the whole season. Like that puts him right up there just storyline wise. You can see it yeah. happening where they're building up the narrative that he just made it through the season. If he just plays okay, but he's healthy, right? Like that's yeah. obviously you're talking about the gap between minus 285 to plus 2000. And yeah. Tua just has to play. Whereas Hamlin, as you mentioned, which I think is the best point of this whole thing, Hamlin still would have to get on the field. Yeah, you know, like him just yeah. like suiting up and being on the sidelines isn't going to be enough to get this award, right? This will not be the ceremonial award that the odds suggest that it is. Yeah. It just isn't, right? It yeah. just isn't. Like if you want to bring him out again at the NFL awards, like a second like standing ovation for doing it, like I'm all for that. I will yeah. just point out that like we did that already. We did like, that we, already. The, the act was survival. Like being alive was the mm. was the success in all of this. And so, yeah, I mean, the thing with Tua is like if he plays 17 games in the Mike McDaniel offense, like he's going to be awesome, right? Like I'm not even, like it's mm -hmm. that it's yeah. less you know, like Alex Smith was like, okay, look at that dude's leg. It's amazing that he's playing, but he was also a quarterback. He was playing games. They were winning occasionally. He was putting yeah. up some, you know, he was like the idea of like, oh, he's just playing. Like, that's good enough. And you're going to get 2,000, 3,000 yards just by playing as much as he did, right? Like, there's just kind of no route for Hamlin to just be a star. And if you look at the list of comeback players, like, they're all stars. Like, mm -hmm. if, you know, by quarterback 
by definition is a star. And, you know, you got a lot of other guys on there that were pro bowl players, both before and after they suffered, whatever they suffered to kind of get this comeback player of the year award. Yeah, you're right. Demar Hamlin got his awards already from the SBs. We saw him yep. at the Michael Rubin <laughs> July long weekend party. There are a lot of things we've seen Demar Hamlin, you yeah. know, he's, he's gotten his shine. We get it. We're yeah. happy that he's back. We're happy that he's healthy. That's Very all famous. Good. Yeah. But this is, you know, we're talking a different ball game here, but this has been just incredible and huge shouts to the people. If you have listened to not only part one, but also part two of our NFL betting season preview on this brand new project we're doing clutch picks. This has been just great. It's great to connect again with my guy, Mr. Matt Russell. And if you, the people listening to this pod would like to do the same, where can they do so online? Yeah. Uh, the score app. I'd like to think everybody's got that uh, already downloaded. Of course. Um, hit that up the betting section there about 80 to 90 percent of that content uh will be me this this year uh which is a drop from a hundred percent last year we've got a lot of uh a good good extra content this year uh and then of course social media x twitter whatever you want to call it i think it's still twitter.com when you type it in but i could be wrong last i looked uh at emrus authentic there it's on the screen you um and and obviously should be uh tweeted out with this podcast so um find us there we'll be celebrating and commiserating through 18 weeks plus the playoffs in the nfl season that's a very valid point like typing in x.com might get you in trouble depending on whose computer you're using like did elon think about that before I'm here to tell you elon did not think about it <laughs> whatever question you have whatever the answer while most of the answers to all your questions is money the any any of your twitter actually questions are no he didn't think uh, you can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And as mentioned, this is a brand new project. We hope that the people who have supported us along the way will continue on to this next venture with the Clutch Picks podcast. And to the people that are brand new, welcome aboard. Hope you enjoy the ride. We will be back each and every single week breaking down the picks of each and every football game in the nfl season trying to have another back-to-back -back year just ride the wave with us enjoy the wave that is this the clutch picks podcast again my name is shell alexander and as i always say i used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is clutch picks until next time see ya <laughs> <laughs>